Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. You are now listening to season seven of the show. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Paul. Ben is the CEO of the BD Ladder, a business development and marketing consultancy. Before founding the BD Ladder, Ben was the business development and marketing director at Denton Kensington Swan in New Zealand. He was the director of the Business of Trust, where he delivered client training programs, in addition to publishing articles for Law Talk, NZ Business Magazine, NZ Entrepreneur, the Microsoft NZ SME blog, and many more. Ben held the position of Business Development Manager at Minter Ellison Rudd Watts, PwC in London, and Grant Thornton. With over 20 years of experience in sales and marketing, Ben champions that all professionals can grow their business with the help of practical and actionable advice. So, a very warm welcome, Ben. Morning, Robin. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Before we dive into all your amazing projects, experiences to date, we do have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality of the law if you've seen it? I have tragically seen it all from start to finish, every single series. Um, yeah, probably about 3.5 to 4. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, with the, the, the way it was delivered, it, it pretty much tells the story. We should move swiftly on and talk more about you. So to begin with, Ben, would you mind telling our listeners a bit more about your sort of background and, and, and career journey? Yeah, so while I'm based over here in Auckland, New Zealand... My accent might still exist, although for those in London, it will be less strong than it is. But over here, they see it as ridiculously strong. Yes, I, I was started my career over in England, uh, originally in B2B sales. So selling IT training, e-learning, all that fun stuff, telesales, learning my skills that way before I joined Grant Thornton, um, which was a really cool part of my career. They wanted someone to come in and sort of talk to their partners and their senior managers and coach them and give them the skills of how to you know actually interact and make those sales calls in a very competitive market and while they had some really highly skilled operatives in the BD and marketing team that could do that one of the struggles was people were trying to coach them hadn't actually done it themselves hadn't got the war stories hadn't all importantly had the um, failed sales calls that everyone wants to hear about and where you messed up so they can learn from them so they hired me and, and, I, and I went into that and started building my career in professional services grey day in London in a nice time of life, uh, a job advert came up to go and start set up the BD function here in Auckland for Grant Fulton. So I thought, hey, why not? Never been to New Zealand, but give it a go. So <laughs> over I came, uh, really good um, fun over here. Met my now wife, who is perfect in every way, except that she put a dagger through my heart and said she hated London. So we <laughs> went back for a couple of years, worked for PwC London, primarily in the FTSE 100 Um audience assurance division working on big pitches and big proposals there uh, and get my wife to love London on the same side uh, and got married had our child and then decided that we really wanted to settle uh, in New Zealand came back worked for an engineering organization then started my career in in law which is what we'll, we'll get into today with Minter, Minter Addison and that was really exciting and, and slightly different having done the holy trinity of um, professional services firms but a really good growth story here in New Zealand of a firm that came out from the mid-tier and then became one of the top tier firms certainly in our country and then a little bit of consulting got back in headhunted into head up uh, as it was Kenton Swan and oversaw it rebrand and become Denton's Kenton Swan and all that fun stuff and then decided 
January 2020 to, um, I didn't want to work for a big global. I want to do my own thing and set my own business. So the media ladder was formed, which was great. Tells you I'm not a um, fortune teller. Didn't know the um, lockdown was coming, but really wanted to provide practical BD and marketing advice and be a consultant and try and lead active change. So that's that's why I started the firm. That's that's all the background in there. And it's been good fun that's taken us to where we are now. Yeah, and there's some really great learns in that as well. Particularly you talked about when you're in the roles within the professional services firms, you know, you work for two global accountants, your you know, organizations, fantastic. But, you know, learning from people who have the experience, I think it's really important because you never really lose, you learn and you take that, you know, those practical examples. Like you say, that winning is great, but it doesn't always teach you many things. So I, I love that you kind of have this that ethos around learning from from the space and people have actually got that tangible experience. I'm an investor in a a company called Hector, which is a recruitment tech business, which only has people who have been on the tools you can give them now because things change so quickly you know how business development was done 20 years to today is, is just changed but let's start from your sort of you know merging into time from law because you touched on it there you were sort of business development marketing director at kensington swan who you know were part of the team overseeing the firm's successful merger with law firm denton so what were your responsibilities in actually managing the rebranding of the firm and um, to denton's kensington swan it's cool because it's quite a slick operation. Um, yeah, I think the main part here is actually, you know, they, they reach out to firms and you get stuck in the due diligence phase. So is it right yeah. for our firm? Should we join this big global beast? What does it mean? How does it work? And then it's learning to work in that environment where only the management team and a select handful of partners of the board know. So you actually know something that other partners in the firm don't know while you're going through that due diligence phase. The rest of your team don't know that you're working on it. And just assessing it and seeing what it means. And look, it's a really good model in terms of firms who join it get to keep their own ownership and get to join something a little bit bigger. Um, and for us here in New Zealand, that makes only the second truly global firm here. So it's a very unique uh, distinguisher for the New Zealand market. And there's various factors as to why that is, as opposed to Australia just over the ditch where there's an, every global law firm you can possibly think of and name. Um, so it's a real good advantage to them and, and you, then you and then you go through to it and you work with the global team about how you bring that to the local market, how you announce it. And look, the, the most important part is when we announced it before we even joined. That's the hugest hit. Yeah. And within a week, all the partners are out their office, all the senior associates are out their office and the meetings just go because there's massive interest in what this means and clients wanting to understand it. And it's just getting those comms right. Some people can, people know that suddenly they're not going to have to pay ridiculous exorbitant fees. That hasn't changed. They're still paying the same fees, but they've got access to a whole world of better practice. I sound like I'm I'm selling them even even though, even though I've left left the firm now. But that's that's the model, and that's that's what you bring that through. And then obviously consistency in the, in making everything purple. Yeah, exactly. I think again, re really good sort of examples there of you know how to follow a, a proven roadmap that's successful and you know blue ocean opportunity like you said you know you go over to australia it's very red ocean it's it's full of full of law firms but actually if you can get in early and use that strategy and you know really take um president in in new zealand why, why not so from there though you then became as you mentioned sort of ceo and managing director of your own gig the bd ladder for those who may not be familiar what is the bd ladder how dare people not be familiar with the company that I formed in my own <laughs> my own house and it's a small startup. Um, look, we're very much in that practical doing business yeah. development consultancy and we're a marketing agency as well. Our main thing is to work with people to understand what they're trying to achieve and then build a plan for them. So true consultancy, as I like to call it, but really 
less cookie cutters. Yes, we have processing steps, but they're not the same from one client to another or even one person we're coaching to another. It's really about understanding what will be successful for them, building that plan and supporting them through it and play, playing to our strengths and working working through that. So we work predominantly in Asia Pac, um, but we're starting to see increased interest in other regions and obviously with my accent going back to London, the UK is obviously appealing to us as well. So that's kind of the model is working through it. And I've brought on a couple of contractors and we have a full-time employee here as well. Wow. So that's, that's great. You know, considering born through, through, a, through a pandemic and, and, and to where you are now. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you founded the BD Ladder, firmly believing that all B2B service providers should be able to access experience, BD sales and marketing advice to help them grow their business. So can you talk us through the stages of building the BD Ladder? Yeah, sure. Um, I wrote a business plan and took it to someone over here who I trust uh, very well. And we were kind of looking at potentially taking it to one of the big four agencies and bringing it into the, into their into their fold. Um, she had contacts into into that area, but as I was writing it, I was I kind of had that feeling in my stomach that this was this was a really good idea. And then I got the feedback, and 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 bless Karen, she asked me the question that I kind of needed asking, but wouldn't ask it of myself, which was, "This is really good. Why do you want to give it to someone else? Wouldn't you do this yourself?" And at that point, I kind of knew. But, you know, you've just left the golden handcuffs. You, you've now got to go out and find your own clients and, and build your own business from the ground up. So that was probably the hesitancy. But then again, once you have that passion, that drive and that burn, you, it, it sees you through no matter what the market conditions are. That's, that's the moment you go, I want to do this. And you find a way to do it. Yeah, I, I love that. And I talk a lot about that when I'm, I'm delivering talks about the passion, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And a lot of people who run their own business when they're passionate enough will take that responsibility and whatever it takes, we'll, uh, we'll get through it. And it's clear that you're super passionate about, about what you're doing as well. But for people, again, lawyers, BD is a huge part for people, particularly maybe have aspirations to become partners, set up their own firms. There's no way you're going to do it without BD. But what is the difference in very simple terms between business development and marketing? Yeah. And does it matter? Yeah. And the answer is it, it actually does, right? But, you know, realistically, marketing sets the platform. It's the foundation. It's what gets you top of mind, builds your brand presence, gives people an awareness that you exist. BD is anything that's more focused on either developing a new service or product that will Will help you win work or actually getting face to face so probably sales in a lot of terms in lawyers terms they don't like the term sales they use bd when they mean sales but the two are interchangeable when you're talking to clients when you're out in front of people when you're when you're even doing an online call or or messaging that's actually building rapport anything that's going to turn that relationship develop that relationship stronger and turn it into billable work that's that's the that's the true art of bd and that's the thing that most people need help with because they're scared of it. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, even an example right here, right now is um, myself and Ben. We are collaboratively business developing because, you know, we're talking to Ben, who's got a great audience over in New Zealand. It's a market that us as a show are looking to try and get more distribution, new listeners. Ben obviously has got clients all over and particularly, you know, interested in the London market. So, you know, there's a real synergy through collaborating and actually just providing thought leadership and content where actually business development and sales doesn't have to be that dirty word. It can just be organic and actually lead to benefit of um, both your business. So let's talk about some of the misconceptions. I'm super passionate about this as someone who's always been around 
recruitment, sales, BD. It's been the lifeblood of how I've you know been able to, to to stay afloat really over the years and go on to do various different things. But what are some of the misconceptions or myths surrounding business development and marketing? I think some of the myths are that you ha- actually have to sell something, and that sounds count- counterintuitive. Um, and you you referenced suits at the start of this show, the idea of Harvey the closer. Yeah. Makes for great TV, but realistically, people don't want to be closed. And if you want to build a relationship with someone, they don't want to be be closed because that's where you pin someone into a conversation corner and got them to sign something that maybe they don't really want to agree to. That's the definition of it when you break it down. What you want to do in the world of services is build a long-term relationship with someone. You know, the books like Maester and, and all those people who talk about their trusted advisor, fantastic. But to do that, you've got to put the other person first you've got to understand what's important to them you've got to build rapport you've got to try and help them with whatever they're trying to achieve whether it's your you can help them with a legal service whether you can help them with um bd and marketing so so in my world i get lots of calls from my clients and my contacts and they'll ask me do i know someone do can i help them with this who in my network should they talk to have i heard of this person do i know it None of this is revenue generating, but the fact that these calls come starts to tell you've got a good relationship and helps you build that network, mutual collaboration, like you mentioned earlier, and it helps driving it forward. So in a way, it's about focusing on the relationship. And even though you are ultimately trying to win sales, it's not actually doing what people traditionally perceive as sales. Yeah, it's so true. And I always say the art of good selling is not knowing you're being sold to. And, you know, again, you make a really good reference to what my mentors t- t- told me very early on to my career. What's, what's everyone's favorite radio station, WIFM? What's in it for me? And leading with value and thinking about, and again, someone said to me, contacts are good, but the relationships are the ones that pay. And actually, you know, I've worked with, you know, junior lawyers who I've had no sort of, you know, necessarily initial, you know, deal opportunity, but then, you know, through keeping in touch, forming a relationship, actually they get more senior, maybe help them find a new role. And that customer lifetime value from when they were sort of, you know, start of their career to mid-career has actually exponentially gone up 10x if we place them in a in a role and have added value to, throughout. So it's a really important point that you share across law firms or lawyers listening to this. Just think, well, how can I, everyone has value to give to somebody and to form a relationship and everything just starts with a, with a conversation. So let's dive into lawyers then. How much time do lawyers need to allocate to business development activities? And what should they do to make best use of this time? Yeah, so we, we've had some fun with this. <laughs> so we've created a BD plan in 18 minutes or three billable increments, deliberately that. And it's possibly more 15 minutes, but let's have some fun. The reality yeah. is, if you take out the actual time you do in the meetings, the main focus is on getting those meetings and the activity around it. A simple discipline in 15 minutes a day, once you've built your list of who you know you need to talk to, and that bit takes a little bit longer and you classify them, then you can reach out to them. If they're good contacts, if they're clients, it doesn't take long. A simple message of, hey, we haven't spoken in a while. I want to catch up, find out where your business is going, uncover a little bit more. How about we grab a coffee or a beer? And it differs from region to region what the um, etiquette is on that kind of stuff. Great, right? easy enough to do and the same with referrers and in the network of professional services you know we, we've talked about you know big fours and engineers well actually for lawyers they're good sources of, of referral networking they'll want to meet you as much as you want to meet them it should be relatively easy in that 15 minutes in a day to book one or two meetings if you do that two or three times a week suddenly your diary is full and it's a simple discipline right and if you're trying to get back in touch with people there's loads of different tactics in, in that as well you know 
if you know what's important to someone, you can pull that report from McKinsey and send it to them and say, hey, look, this is really important. You'll find this interesting. Here's page four. They'll say, that's cool. Why don't we have a chat about it? It will produce the next meeting. Ways to get back in touch with your client even when you're not working on a matter. So having those touch points are really, really important, but it's all around discipline. A little bit like trying to get fit and going to the gym. Yeah, it's habits, isn't it? And I, I always talk about um, when you're trying to follow up with relationships, new news. You know, nobody likes to be chased on something. And particularly, have you seen this? Hey, just thought I'd... That doesn't add any value. Where like you say, if you have that McKinsey report, some new news, something that's going to add to that conversation that you can build on, that touch point is going to be, okay, this is a thought leader. This is a person that actually really wants to help me rather than just, hey, me, 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 me. So I, I love that. It's a really good example. And lawyers, there's so much information out there everywhere that it makes it so easy now. And people, there's so much information on people's social media handles. There's so many ways you can find sensible touch points to get greater responses as well, right? Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, Google's your friend. You can set up search <laughs> things. You'll find things that people really want to are like McKinsey. They are like the Harvard Business Review. They are things that are, you know, even Forbes that are well-researched. They'll, they'll trust that. People like to see what's going on in their market. They also like to see what's going overseas that they can grab and try and find the best practice to see what's coming next down the pipe. So, you know, if in London, you might want to look and see what's going on in the US or you might want to see what's going over in, in China and Japan or whatever it is, right? So that's really powerful. We've seen people, you know, when you're talking about chasing up, if you're chasing up deals rather than talking about a deal, when you send this and actually show that you're interested in the client, they sometimes come back and give you the answer. More often than not, it's affirmative, but at least they give you the answer. And one of the worst things is not knowing and nobody likes to chase. So actually being proactive is really, really, really good. Um, it, it creates that, that, that kind of thing. And some people, sometimes we find lawyers are reticent to it. They go, well, my client will know this already. You know, it's, it's why should I send it? And they've probably already seen it. But then the example I use is, you know, my, my wife knows that I love West Ham and can't consume enough about my beloved hammers. But if she sees there's a new sign in or something or something's happened, she'll send me a text message with that. Now I've already seen it, but shows that she cares and it makes me feel good because actually say, hey, how thought about you? And it's the same feeling with your client. You've already seen it. The fact that you're thinking about them and trying to help them releases that nice emotion in them. Very similar. So it doesn't matter if they've seen it or not already. Exactly. It doesn't. And also, you know, like you say, it shows that you care, um, but you can also offer your thoughts on that, you know, say, look, you know, I'm, I think this is a really good signing for the club, you know, no doubt, you know, if you think they've already seen it, you know, what do you think, you know, and it engages the conversation as well. So I think it's, it's a really smart way. So we're kind of wetting people's appetites. Hopefully lawyers are listening, thinking, okay, they've given me a bit of a kind of the base level. I'm kind of, okay, I'm at the point of, oh, I'm going to do this. Time for a short break from the show. Are you looking for a way to get your firm working more efficiently and profitably while ensuring a better work-life balance for your team? Well, if you haven't considered our sponsor, Clio, I'm here to strongly recommend that you do. I absolutely love working with Clio. Not only is it the world's leading legal practice management and legal client relationship management software, it also has a really solid core mission to transform the legal experience for all. Something I personally support. What sets Clio apart for me, it's their dedication to customer success and support. There are lots of legal softwares out there, but I know from talking to Clio users that their support offering is miles ahead of the rest with their 24-5 availability via email, in-app chat, and over the phone. 
yes, you can actually call in and speak to someone. Clio is also the G2 crowd leader in legal practice management in comparison to 130 legal practice management softwares and has been for the last 14 consecutive quarters. G2 Crowd is the world's leading business solutions review website. You can check Clio's full list of features and pricing at www.clio.com forward slash legally dash speaking. That's www.clio.com forward slash legally dash speaking. Now back to the show. So let's go into the BD ladder because you provide six core offerings to your clients. So BD and marketing director on call, partner director BD and marketing practice startup, bid tender response, business development growth strategy, brand elevation and personal branding, and finally training and coaching BD and marketing consultancy service. There's a lot to go through there. So as concisely, but as helpful as possible, would you mind just explaining a bit more about some of those areas? So again, lawyers get a bit of a feel for it. Yeah, so look, the, the BD and marketing director on call is kind of two things. We see, particularly in this region, we see firms that in the boutique area and kind of mid-tier that are growing, don't have access to that resource. Sometimes have some marketing or office managers doing that role who need an extra extra guidance, extra hand. So that's where I would come in and provide that support. So it's part of driving a firm strategy and building it and also providing them with a confidence, someone they can, as a sounding board, to help them as they progress their career. With the idea that they're not dependent on us, we teach, educate, learn, show, tell, do, and then we can cut them free. But the partner start, starter, director, startup thing is linked into our BD coaching, but we just found BD coaching is great and that works across all levels with part with partners, particularly who are wanting to progress and do more in the business development field. But there's a real need in that kind of senior associates and those stepping up into partners to learn these skills and learn this quickly. And if we get them before they become a partner and build that discipline and that habit and all those those skills, it's not as scary and they're ready to do it. It's almost like in a lot of cases people get given the top job and then said, oh, by the way, now you go going to do some client development. It's too late. It's too hard, right? All the other skill, all the other things you mentioned there are really complementary around that. You know, the training and coaching we do to, to mix groups and that really helps drive it. But we, only, we, we will only do it in two-hour sessions as a tops because I fundamentally believe that if you give people too much, they do nothing. If you give them enough and make it interactive and get them to practice and practice and practice skills, the majority of them, when they leave the training room, will actually use those skills. So I'm passionate about making sure that the dollars are, or pounds that are spent in the training room are not wasted. They actually get used. So we progress them over a longer period of time in shorter training sessions, knowing that actually there's value for money in what we're delivering and people are actually using it. Yeah, no, and agreed. It, it, it all comes down to, you know, price is what you pay, but value is what you get, right? So I think if people are getting that value, then, you know, they're absolutely going to be happy. So maybe walk us through then, like detail us through the process yourself working with a client. What does that look like? And how do you get back in touch with a client when the work has been completed? Right. So for me, working with a client is really a fact-finding mission at first. What do they need? Where are they currently at? Where are they trying to get to? What are their particular hang-ups uh, 
and what's holding them back. And they're unique to every individual. There's some common themes, but they are unique. And look, sometimes we'll have a session with the senior management team to understand where they want to go as a business, but there's always an element of one-to-one and trying to bring that kind of what are their hurdles and barriers to getting this stuff? What's stopping them from posting on LinkedIn? What are they worried about? What do they think people are going to see? All those kind of issues that are happening out there. So we work, we work through that. Um, invariably, you know, you touched on it. It's kind of a two-part question there. You know, once, once we've worked with our clients, we find that they struggle to get back in touch with their clients once the work's done. So for us, maybe not so much because, because we're kind of used to that, but it's, it's really around, you know, you can sometimes be so focused on the matter in hand, the actual matter that you're doing the work, and it can be really stressful. It can be stressful on all sides. That you never de- dig deep. You never ask the client what else they're working on. You never ask what else is going on for them. And so we spend a lot of time actually talking around, well, what can you say in, in those interactions? What can you do to find out more? Because if you find out more, then you can actually get back in touch about the things that are important to them. You can check in and then you can introduce them to people in your network. You can progress it further, you know. Yes, it's important to do your client feedback, but who does your client feedback on why and what you're trying to get? But also, you know, how do you get back in touch after after client work is done? Well, simply a little bit like how, how we're talking about at the start, how you get in touch with someone, you know, send them something of interest, send them things you think will, will light, their, light their fuse again, keep, keep them going. Maybe suggest you introduce them to someone else in your client network. Or bring them to a networking event that will have that cross-pollination going because they're the things that clients really value because they want to build their networks as much as you do. So if you can facilitate that, they'll always be in touch with you. Yeah. And again, you know, I, I love all this because it's all the things that I 100% agree with and have seen work over the years because, yeah, we all know about network, network. But actually, also, when you're thinking of trying to get connected with people, think about, I always say, work warm. Who do you know who can introduce you to someone you don't know, right? And that warm introduction, again, is, is, is a far greater way of going about things through leveraging who you've already got in your network to, to get closer to the, to the pin. Yeah, and that's, that's a fascinating concept in itself because people will tell you they get all their work from referrals and then you'll dig a little bit deeper and say, so how do you actively manage those referrals? And they'll go, well, they just sort of happen ethereally. And you go, well, that's great. But how do you actually, you know, when you need them, how do you work? and mine those referrals how do you ask the referrals oh i couldn't ask yeah you know, well you know there are ways you can ask when the client's delighted you can say who else could who else should i meet who else can you introduce you to but of course the classic one which which works every time is is pretty much you know really enjoyed working with you is there anyone that i can introduce you to what type of people would you like me to refer you to now the person may well ask but we're engineered as human that if someone asks us and throws control in a conversation to us, we're most likely to say, oh, let me have a think about that. But while I'm thinking about that, who would you like me to refer you to? But instantly, you get, you get that back without having to ask. You've offered, they will offer back. It takes the awkwardness out of it, and lawyers don't like that awkward moment. It makes it much easier. Yeah, it's reciprocal, isn't it? If you're, if you're leading with the value yeah. and the values values of value then people are going to respond back to to that and you're going to kind of build that relationship and then it's also built on trust isn't it you know you're seen to be continually wanting to help rather than sort of taking from from people and um, okay so we've, we've really talked a lot about bd marketing you know sales however you want to talk about it what we haven't talked about which is something again that 
maybe it's been over talked about and everyone has different views on this, but I still believe it's important. It's the number one thing that I personally work on every day. It's my personal brand. So, you know, what is the importance of a personal brand and what advice would you give to those, who are, particularly lawyers, who are looking to build a personal brand, where it be social media or in person or, or elsewhere? Yeah, look, don't be shy. No one's asking you to be Kim Kardashian. Understand what it means in terms of personal branding over the way. I mean, if you can get those numbers, fantastic. Well done. None of the rest of us can reach that. But first of all, know what your, know what your brand is. What do you want the people in the market and the sectors you work in and the target markets you want to operate in? What do you want them to know you for? Understand that first. What, when they think of you, they think that. How do they think you help them? Then start to pick the channels where they're most likely to respond to it. Now, for most lawyers in the commercial world, it's going to be LinkedIn. But you can use other channels as well. But that is the biggest B2B network in the world. The great news is you can control it and just be regular and understand what it is. Start small, post some articles of interest and share them. Write a little comment. This is good. What others think. Build your connections in there. It's really important to have connections on a platform like that because if someone leaves a company, you can still get in contact with them via message, whereas their email is gone as soon as they leave that organization. So it's really, really powerful. And dedicate time to it and have a, have, have a, have a good discipline around it. If you're a busy lawyer and you've got lots of client work, no one's going to expect you to post five times a day. In fact, that's way too much. But maybe if you, if you commit to posting two or three times a week, maybe once a week if you're not doing it already, and then look to have a time say in your lunch hour where you look through the feed and look at where you should be contacting people or commenting I mean, simple one if someone congratulating them on a new job or, or a rise or whatever just being part of that conversation simple early steps but it's really really important and invest in your personal brand will stay with you for your whole career and we think it's a new concept because of social media but people were always doing it they just used to do it on the speaking gig and by writing books and all that kind of stuff they're still all part of the personal brand not a new concept it's just much easier to get for everyone to play in it now yeah and again you make make a really good point that something resonates with me that i always say your your personal brand is your biggest asset but it's also your greatest insurance policy so you know i could lose all my businesses tomorrow um you know i could all things could happen but i'm not gonna lose my personal brand my network and off the back of it and would probably be far easier starting again um off the back of having a personal brand and the trust and the reputation that you've built um, and that's how, you know, we, we've all been through pandemic, we've been through recessions, we've been through boom periods, we've been through, you know, we're going through the AI revolutionary, you know, jobs will be dispersed. So, you know, how are you going to make sure you're top of mind and having conversations and standing out and potentially getting opportunities of people coming to you is through having a personal brand. So I think it's super important uh, to labor that point. Yeah, look, AI, chat GPT makes personal branding easier. Yeah. You can get it to do really good first first drafts of what you want to put what you want to post but just be aware of its limitations know that it's a, a great junior copywriter and know that it's a personal brand so you what, what you want it to do is give you that first draft when your caffeine hasn't kicked in and you're not sure what you want to type as soon as you read it and lawyers are good at writing they'll look at that and go oh it's a bit cheesy i don't like the i don't like the emojis i don't like this edit it put it in your own voice but actually you've saved an awful lot of time of thinking about how going to structure them you're going to say use it as a really good editing and first drafting tool but always make sure that you write it in your own words one it'll perform better because machines don't like machines and everyone likes authentic and genuine voice and two that's what you should do it's your personal brand you want to put your opinion forward 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, I always say it's not it's not perfect brand, it's personal brand. So, you know, sharing those lessons, those, you know, all of those things that are authentic are actually going to do a lot better. Yeah, look, and we recently I interviewed a, a lawyer who does a over here who's got a startup firm and she's done a lot of work in social media because couldn't compete with the big big firms and their branding and actually used Instagram and all sorts of stuff. And the first admit it was scary, but you know, it's that point you press go and press send. If people reson- if it resonates with people, you've done well. And if it doesn't resonate with people, nobody sees it. Don't worry. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is is having action through perfection. You you, you know you know you've got to actually just get out there. Like anything, yeah. the worst sales emails are one that isn't sent. The best sales emails are the ones that are sent that get some meetings back. So make sure you, you make sure you're active. I'd rather have imperfect action over perfect inaction any time because you can always 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 go somewhere with that. So let's um talk finally a bit more about sort of BD ladder then because how do you ensure that the advice and guidance offered through the BD Lab remains relevant and up to date. I mean, we've just been talking about ChatGPT, which didn't exist a few years ago. You know, how do you sure it remains up to date in this rapidly changing business landscape? Look, we we follow the trends. We're members of the marketing association here and, and other things like that. So we, we keep on top of it. We, you know, as we're doing personal branding, we read things and, and make sure we, we stay in there. We've got a network of other consultants we talk to, we speak to our clients. Look, we continually evolve. We We've always run a personal brand in training, as you, as you saw on the website. Recently, we did our first one earlier this month. We're doing one next week. We're doing a personal branding in ChatGPT. So we're actually, in the second hour of the course, we get people to update their profiles, write posts, write long-form posts, and they use ChatGPT. And actually, we then get them to schedule it, so they can obviously review it the next day. But they come out of the session, their minds were blown at first. They're a little bit scared, but they've actually put the actions in place and they've used it. So we continually look at this stuff and see how can we bring that into what we do? How can we make it meaningful and how can we take the fear away and how can we show people something can actually put it into practice? You know, it's one yeah. of the courses that, you know, when we ran it and I ran it with my, with Lucy, who's our marketing exec, you know, you're not quite sure how it's going to go. You put yourself out of your own comfort zone because you've never done it before. Yes, we've tested it. Yes, we've rehearsed it. But you, until you get the audience and know what they're doing, but yeah, brilliant. And they loved it. So as you got to Good. do that, got to keep evolving and keep trying to move these things forward. Exactly. You know, start and get better along the way. And I think, you know, test, 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 and you can always refine. So before we, we look to close then, Ben, what are your top three tips for those looking to start focusing on business development? So the first one is to have and know your motivation for doing it. It's really important to have a motivation or why, as Simon Sinek would say, right? know why it is is it to progress your career is it because you just want to get the confidence up so you can speak to anyone and not feel inhibited about it that's really really important the second one is to is to build that discipline and that time you will set aside to do it and to develop your skills on it so you have to do two things if you're if you're new to it so so, so doing those kind of both both things building that that discipline and, and awareness and then the third one is is to really change your mindset to that of almost like a child be curious so rather than going there to to inform and share your wonderful expertise with someone actually think what can i learn from this person you know when we talk about how to have impact in meetings we spend an awful lot of time telling and working with people saying the one thing you need to work work on and practice and write down before any meetings questions 
it's irrelevant researching their their website to a degree yes you want to know what they do but they know more about their business than you ever will and what you'll learn from their website and their about us section is pretty minimal and most of it's probably out of date so ask questions be curious dig deeper find out more the more questions you ask the more rapport you'll build and the more you'll learn and the more you'll be able to tailor your offering when the time comes to what they actually need as opposed to what you assume they need so it's those three things you know motivation discipline focus on a new skill particularly around questioning and building rapport yeah i love that i i love the sort of curiosity gene because i think it's it's, it's so important and i guess with that if our listeners which i'm sure they will want to learn more about your career or the bd ladder where can they find out more um i'm pretty easy to find on linkedin name obviously ben paul i think it's ben paul bdm is the, is a linkedin tag that's a good place or head to the bdladder.com really simple we've got loads of um insights and articles there raft of free ebooks where we have consultants and people from within the industry from all around the globe who write on certain topic marketing how to get best out of client meetings and some pretty cool tools and guidebooks that people can can download for free and just learn how to do bd we're kind of nice like that we like to share the the message so we're easy to find and we love to hear from people fantastic well we'll also share those links with this episode for you as well um, but thank you so much ben it's been a real pleasure having you on the show wishing you lots of continued success with your career with the bd ladder and future ventures but for now from all of us on the show over and out Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you like the content here, why not check out our world-leading content and collaboration hub, the Legally Speaking Club, over on Discord. Go to our website, www.legallyspeakingpodcast.com for the link to join our community there. Over and out.